Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Just two autumnal sweethearts over here. Oh, yeah. Uh, crisping, it, crisping it up with a... This podcast episode is going to be like a nice cold apple cider dumped in your lap. And you're on a hay bale ride and I spilled my whole cold apple cider right on your freaking lap. Is that a thing people like? <laughs> It's the official kickoff to fall. I feel like it ain't fall until you've had somebody spill a cold apple cider on your lap on a hay bale ride. Or am I am I wrong? Is that just me? Is that maybe an Appalachian thing? Shoot, I think you might be wrong. I mean, usually these this time of year you serve it warm. Yeah, Um, it may be because we've been watching a lot of Pin Fifteen, which uh, is one of the best shows on television right now. Exceptional show. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I've been thinking about middle school a lot lately, and I have this very vivid memory of being on a hay bale ride with like a sweetie and listening (laughs) to. uh, Sugar Ray's Fly on the radio <laughs> in like seventh grade. I don't know oh. why that is like so ingrained in my mind. Me- I guess it was like a dope night. Were you like, I'm going to remember this forever? Apparently. And guess what? I did. <laughs> I did and I am. I um, that I have a lot of fall memories. I oh. mean, the big thing for us was ice skating rink. Oh, see, we didn't do that. So we weren't, I guess hockey enough our town wasn't hockey enough for that uh hey do you have any small wonders uh my small wonder i'm you know what i'm gonna say fingerless gloves yeah sure you know like like you can do your stuff but you can have your your comfort yeah um a lot of times now you can get the gloves that have the little touch screen sensitivity in them yeah witchcraft i say if you can afford it just take those fingers right off. Just pop them right out. <laughs> yeah, living in Chicago, it's sort of essential to have a sort of fingerless glove strategy. Mm. And I had and still have the ones with the cap that like flip yeah. up over your fingers, but you can flip them off Sometimes when you need. you got to get it in your wallet and get that credit card out. you got to get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say the uh, bust cakes that were created in the first episode <laughs> of the new season of Great British Bake Off. Uh, <laughs> Eater wrote an article about it. If you need to see an image of those and don't watch the show, whole... There is a that somebody made a cake that was supposed to look like Tom DeLonge, the frontman for Blink One Eighty Two. Uh, that is, I think about it all the time. <laughs> I think about cake Tom DeLonge all the time, every day since I've seen him. He is a he is a grim mask of pain, and it, it's so fucking funny to me. Uh, it made me think. Wasn't it Eddie Murphy? What was the SNL where they did like a, a Bake Off sort of parody and somebody made a cake that was like It was alive. Eddie Murphy. Holy shit. That, like we are trending towards that direction, which is funny because it's not nailed it. Great British Bake Off I isn't know, nailed it. But for one challenge, it was nailed it because everybody, a nightmare David Attenborough, <laughs> like everybody made a David Bowie cake that looked like it had been like fucking <laughs> stomped on. It is so funny and good and weird and pure and... I can't imagine the kind of person that wouldn't like Bake Off, but if you are somebody that have, has found that show perhaps too soothing oh in the past, oh my goodness, this is a laugh riot. This is a hoot and a, a holler. <laughs> uh, you go first this week. What's your first uh, topic? My first thing is a organization called Pizza to the Poles. Never heard of this one. I just found out about it. Okay, let me. Hmm. Do they are they sending pizza to the North and South Pole? No. Oh, okay. I don't know. This uh, <laughs> when I was I was just trying to guess based on context clues that there was it was like a scientific organization of just like let's see how far we can get this piece of pizza. Uh. <laughs> 
Can we get it up to Santa Claus or evil Santa Claus? Does Krampus live on the South Pole? Oh, man. That is a whole a whole different show right there. It is. Um, no, this is a nonpartisan organization that started in 2016 in response to long lines during the election. P-O-L-L-S. Yes. Polls. Now we're yes. talking. You know, it could have been like telephone polls, too. It could have been sure. line workers. You know, it could, have, it could have been a lot of things. Sure. That is the wonder of the English language. Could have been <laughs> giving free pizza to Polish people. I don't yeah. know if they go by that, but. Yeah. I mean, what else could it be? Let's keep going. Yeah, this I don't is know. great. I don't know. <laughs> um, they offered a simple service, free pizza to voters waiting in line, regardless of their political affiliation. Uh, in the four years since, the group has continued to provide this service. Uh, they delivered nearly 11,000 pizzas to voters at 611 polling locations across 41 states in 2018. Fuck yeah. What's the opposite of voter intimidation? Because that's what this is, it feels like. <laughs> um, they started out in just Ohio, Florida, and Illinois, and then it became a, a nationwide effort. They take donations year-round. Uh, and basically what they do is they invite donors to just give $20 here and there, uh, and then you can be eligible if you're standing in line to get the benefit of that. What you do is you go onto their website, and they will ask you a series of questions if you are interested in receiving one of these pizzas. Yeah. Uh, you have to provide a link to a report on social media saying, like, this line's super long. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and then, then they swoop in like Pizza Batman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. You provide your polling place address and your phone number or email address uh, so they can follow up when the pizza's on its way. Okay. Do the people in line get to choose toppings, <laughs> depth of crust? <laughs> it's a very long form. Yeah. It's like, all right, I want one that's half Hawaiian, half cheese. And you have to <laughs> you have to collaborate with everybody else in line, regardless <laughs> again, regardless of political affiliation. So like you look at somebody who oh, you are beautiful. so opposed to and you're like, listen, you fucking jerk. <laughs> what do you want on your pizza? Pepperoni? Me too. Oh my gosh, we have something in common. But also really, really wicked important <laughs> stuff, super duper not in common. Um, it also lists upcoming deliveries on the site too, so you can kind of see where these pizzas are going out. This is of course on an election day. Right yeah. now, if you go, there's nothing there. Uh, and they also try and order local, which I appreciate. There is a website I didn't know about called Slice. Uh, where you can enter in an address and they will uh, give you a list of pizza places. Huh. And so they try and they try and purchase local. Um, and none of this money, so if a polling place or a election has passed, they will use this money to support other other hungry, hungry people around the country in in variety of lines. That's so. <laughs> radical. Yeah. that's that's uh, that's very cool. They uh, have a a treat. Uh, they have a team of volunteers across the U.S., England, and Australia to help coordinate these deliveries, um, and it's it's a really cool location. Um, do you think? I know it's like a big uh, fight to try and get Election Day to be a, a national holiday to encourage you know more yeah. people to go vote. If we could get it on the calendar as Pizza Party Day, oh, that's fun. I think we would have. 98% voter turnout and the 2% would be people who just don't really like pizza very much. <laughs> I think, um, you know, Texas, Texas is a place that does not allow uh, mail-in ballots except for extreme circumstances. So yeah. 
it's going to be kind of crazy at those polls. Uh, we are fortunate to have early voting, so hopefully that will help a little bit. But I was just excited to know about this and, and, and think like this is a nice way to spread goodwill, especially for people who aren't able to vote until they get off work. And yeah. if I'm standing in line hungry, I'm really debating getting out of line. But if there's pizza there... Maybe I'll stick around. Hey, go to vote.org. Just make sure that your shit's up to date and that you're good. Voting registration cutoff is for most places like now. Very soon. Uh, yeah. For Texas, I think it's October 6th. Uh, even if you're registered to vote, go check and make sure that you are. Uh, and if you're not registered to vote, please fucking register to vote and vote for Joe Biden in the election. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure who watched the debate last night. Wouldn't recommend it. Wouldn't, we made it about we, not. we made it about 4 minutes in and then we had to go to fucking Sports Center for the highlights. So, uh, <laughs> hugely anxious it made us and uh, yeah, it's oh, a and nightmare. Just, just to clarify this website that I was talking about is polls.pizza. That's a good web address. Mm-hmm. Good job. You've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, can I do my first thing? Yes. My first thing is darts. Darts is fun. Uh, darts is tough, by the way, to like prepare this segment without getting the Brian David Gilbert darts song. Have you seen that? It's time to get good at darts video. Oh, you've showed it to me. It's time. It's time to get good at darts. It's like <laughs> sort of permanently stuck in my head. I told Griffin just some context for where I'm coming from. Uh, I don't really know how darts works. Yes. I know there are numbers on there and colors. I don't. And I know that you were trying to get the oh, harder, interesting. the harder stuff, mm-hmm. like the smaller, you know, spots are worth more. Yeah. Um, and so whenever I have played, I've always been like, well, I should probably try and get it in the center. But I don't know. I don't know how anyone so can score. There is optimal aiming strategies depending on how good you are at darts so uh yes as if you have never like played darts and don't really know anything about the board you got the bullseye which has the inner circle which is worth 50 and the outer circle which is worth 25 uh and then there's you know different scores between 1 and 20 all around the the circle and then there is a ring on the far uh edge of the of the dart board that is double points so if you hit you know double 18 it's 36 and then there's another smaller ring uh sort of halfway uh in the circle that is the triple so the highest score you can get with a single dart is triple 20 which is 60 60 how did you learn how to play darts by going to bars with people okay play darts um so it wasn't like something you knew as as a young child no i didn't really get into darts until i was like old enough to go to 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 bars because like I am not I've never been like a huge drinker uh, and I'm also like not a particularly adept socializer uh, and so if darts is there <laughs> darts allows you to you know have an activity to do but it also allows you to kind of like peel off people into a smaller group like I find it easier to talk to one person than I do to talk to like four people. And darts is like, hey, one at a time, please. <laughs> Single file. And play a game that I think is really very, very fun. I um, thought darts was something kind of like pool where like people came fully formed to these games because they had somebody that knew somebody that had a basement that had pool or darts in it. I mean, I feel like I knew a lot of people who had dart. We had a dart board. Um, oh. Yeah, I mean... They're like fucking $5 at Target. Like you can get a dartboard for pretty cheap, especially. No, you know what it was? We The first dartboard we ever got was in Justin's room. I remember this very vividly. We bought it from our neighbor at a garage sale. Uh, and it had like 
the normal dartboard on one side, but it had like weird baseball scoring. There's like yeah, a weird baseball I've seen game. Those could, things. Uh, we never used that. Um, but the problem with having darts at your house is that if you have darts at your house, you also have holes in the drywall at yes, your house. Yes. A real issue. Um, but anyway, we've digressed like almost instantly. Uh, <laughs> darts is just super fun. We, we keep saying darts, but there's, you know, a few dozen actual games that you can play with darts. The most common of which is 301 which is you have uh, you want to count down from 301 by throwing the fewest number of darts. You get three darts in a round, and you and an opponent go back and forth. If you go past that number, you bust and have to go back to where you were at the beginning of the round that you busted. Uh, and that's it. Uh, there's also 501, which is a common way of playing it, because uh, if you're really good, you can finish a game of 301 in five rounds, I think. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's the main game. The game I really like is cricket, which I think I've tried to teach you the rules of, of cricket a couple times. That's the one where you have to shut down zones. Uh, oh. so 15 through 20 are these zones and you have to get marks in them basically three times to shut them down. And once you've shut them down, your opponent can't score on them, but you can. So there's like an offense defense push and pull to cricket that I like love. Whoa. There's an element of strategy to it because you have the, the point of the game is to shut down all the zones and bullseye and have the higher score, but you can only score on zones that you've shut down that your opponent hasn't. So like if your opponent has shut down 20, you want to shut that down as fast as possible because they can start scoring on that and like get a lead that you will not be able to make. How up. do you keep track of like what's been shut down? Cause you're taking the darts out, right? Yes. Usually there is a chalkboard oh. with it, or if it's like an electronic game, it will keep, you know, track of okay. that stuff for you. Uh, cricket. Once I discovered cricket, that's when I got really into darts because it is a, it's, it's again, a game of strategy and risk where like if your opponent shut down 20, but you're really close to shutting down 19, maybe you go for that before you make the defensive play to shut down 20 as well. Uh, it's, you know, maybe a bit complicated to hear out loud, but it's a fairly simple game to understand. And it's a very, very fun game. Um, so anyway, darts evolved from archery naturally. And when people were first playing darts, it was essentially like broken arrows and crossbow bolts. Uh, the first intentionally made uh, darts were made of wood and a strip of lead and split turkey feathers. Uh, and then in 1906, uh, folks started using like actual metal barrels, which is like the part of the dart that you hold when you throw it. And I thought for sure you were going to say bones. Is that weird? No, I mean, I'm sure somebody has a bone dartboard set. Um, so the dartboard th th has this wild circle of numbers that appear to be like placed somewhat randomly uh the like placement that we all use on on dartboards was set by a carpenter in 1896 and it was supposedly this may be like apocryphal like there to prevent uh, to, to penalize inaccuracy uh by the way that the numbers were arranged uh, by which i mean to understand like the dartboard arrangement no two like high value numbers are right next to each other if you're throwing for 20 if you miss you're gonna hit one probably so that is that is why dartboards are the way they are oh. so there is a cluster of numbers at the bottom left of the dartboard that are kind of middle of the road so if you are a player who has a huge element of randomness where your darts actually land that's where you actually want to aim is the bottom left of the dartboard oh. uh, if you're an incredibly skilled player you want to aim for that triple 20 every time uh so yeah there's an element of 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 strategy to it even if you're not great at darts and what i love about darts over a pool is i feel like darts is a has an element of a you know a great equalizer where if you're not great at darts you can still have that game where you crush it that's that's a really good point the thing that always tripped me up 
about pool is I could never really pick a, a way to hold the cue that felt yes. comfortable to me. And it was just a total hurdle that I could never get past. And if you're bad at pool, you're going to be bad every time. Like you're going to be bad every shot. If you're bad at darts, sometimes you'll still hit the double bullseye. Like sometimes you'll still hit triple 20. Uh, but there is like, there are strategies for every skill level that can kind of work for you uh, that I didn't know about until I was prepping for this. It's also a game that you play with one hand, right? So it's like perfect for when you're at a sort of drinking occasion and you have a beverage in one hand and you're throwing darts with the other one it also feels good like i love a you know me like i love a good tactile yeah, feel to things yeah. and darts like feel fucking great and it's very satisfying the way it like sticks in there yeah, it's, yeah and the way that you throw it like it feels like it's just a very satisfying mm-hmm. motion uh i just really like darts i wish we had a place to like i guess we could set up like a dartboard outside in an area where like the yeah. siding of our house is already kind of fucking trashed anyway Yeah, or we can get some hay bales and make like a real big... at, at that point let's just get a crossbow yeah but, yeah let's get really into crossbows <laughs> during quarantine uh yeah i've also never been injured by a dart but i bet it's i bet it feels pretty bad never been hit by a dart never seen anybody get hit by a dart was that in your notes yeah you were like i bet it hurts to get hit i by should a really dart. end this with with talking about how it hurts to get hit by i a actually dart. end it with uh professional dartists which is what <laughs> professional actual like professional dart players like to be called uh they have the best pop-offs of like any sport like when somebody nails like a perfect round of 301 like they pop off in a way that like football players don't pop off. Basketball players don't pop off. Like they There's go like wild. celebration dances. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. Uh, it makes me think. Uh, actually, wait, was that darts or I think it was bowling. There was a bowler who very famously like scored a perfect game. And then like in his pop off just screamed, who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> who do you think you are? I am. I think The Verge like wrote about it. Like, who is this dude and why is that the thing that he shouted? It's on like that level every time. Like, they go wild. They go wild. Anyway, can I, speaking of going wild, can I go wild and steal you away? Woo! Is that you legally, you have to say yes? Yes. Okay. <laughs> It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality. And you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what 
is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Hey, I have a Gramble Tram here. Can I read it, please? Yes. This message is for Allie. It's from Alan, who says, Hey, Al, I know I often tell you how proud I am of you for everything you've accomplished in the past few years, but I figured it would be even better coming from our fave Chill Out podcast. Two time zones and several thousand miles has nothing on our friendship. You're the best day one ride or die this queer gremlin could ever ask for. I love you. Is this a chill out? I always think of this podcast as being pretty fucking high octane. Oh, yeah. I always think of it being a pretty high octane thrill ride. Uh-huh. Is that, that, that's what you tell people? You say, I do these things with my brothers and my dad, and then I have a super intense podcast yeah. you should check out. That's the, that's the tags I gave it on iTunes when I put it up. It's a high octane thrill ride. Huh. I guess I'll have to return to that. Can I read this next one? Please. It is for Noel. It is from Kaylee. Hey, Noelle, surprise, you're wonderful. I'm so glad that we decided to grab a campus apartment together last minute when we worked on R&G. Our friendship is something I treasure and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I can't wait to see what you knit next. Let's go watch more baseball anime. Smooch Edwina for me. Also, you whip ass, dude. Love ya. Um, What's R&G, do you think? Do you think it's us? Do you think they worked on Rachel and Griffin? Rachel and Griffin, yeah. Or maybe Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) And it's like Juliet's a... Like a ghost or a zombie oh, of some that. some sort. It's like the sequel. It's like the sequel to Romeo and Juliet. But or Nomeo, right? No. Isn't that a children's program? It is. It's a movie. Why did you why did you bring the gnome verse <laughs> into our house? Dang it. Hello there, ghouls and gals. It is I, April Wolf. I'm here to take you through the twisty, scary, heart-pounding world of genre cinema on the exhilarating program known as Switchblade Sisters. The concept is simple. I invite a female filmmaker on each week and we discuss their favorite genre film. Listen in closely to hear past guests like The Babadook Director, Jennifer Kent, Winter's Bone Director, Deborah Granick, and so many others every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Tune in if you dare. <laughs> it's actually a very thought-provoking show that deeply explores the craft and philosophy behind the filmmaking process while also examining film through the lens of the female gaze. So, like, you should listen. Switchblade Sisters. Hey, what's your second thing? You want to go ahead and tell me your second thing? This one's going to be really controversial. So get ready. Okay. And I've thought about how to package it so that it is concise. But I will say, um, 
when packaged dessert treats get stale and they taste better? I will seed Nilla wafers. Oh, that's a good one. I don't even have that on my list. That's, but that's really, because that's all I could, that's the only one. That Oreos? You don't like when Oreos get soft? Okay, this is a wild segment. Let's. I'm going to just back off <laughs> and give you the room you need to do your work, your grim, dark work. So uh, this started for me with Oreos. Uh, and then in doing research, I found some other ones that I also prefer. Okay. Um, but we uh, have taken, and when I say we, I mean I, to buying very large packages of Oreos. Yes. <laughs> uh, and... I kind of cooled on them for a little while. And then the other day I was like, you know, I'm just going to dip back in. Oh, they're so soft. So soft and tasty when they're stale. And you like that. And I like that. See, I find that the, you know, Oreo's a milk's favorite cookie. And I find that this, when they are, when they get like that, they, do, they are not as easy to saturate with the precious milks. Oh, see, a lot of th- this may be the difference because sometimes I'm just like popping an Oreo and going. I'm not getting out a little dipping station. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> You're so angry about I'm not this. angry. I'm just <laughs> conflicted. Because I really like stale Nilla wafers. Like, yeah, because they're, they're soft. Th- th- right? I want barrel aged Nilla wafers. Uh-huh. Like, I, I really want to, I want to sun dry them on our roof and then eat them. I want to bury them in a jar like kimchi underground for six months. <laughs> Um, well, that wouldn't work because they would be airtight, right? Oh, shoot. Maybe. I guess I was assuming fermentation happened at some point in the Nilla wafer <laughs> process. <laughs> maybe I'll put them in there with some banana pudding and then just see what comes out. Well, so let me tell you. So I did some research because the question that I had was, why does stale bread become hard? But why do these like little packaged cookies become soft? Okay. Was there an answer for this on the internet? There is. There's an answer for fucking everything. I know. The example I found was actually bread and chips um, as the as the two opposites. Okay. But I feel like the, the logic is probably the same. Okay. So both those foods have starch. Uh, but when bread is baked, the addition of heat and water weakens the attraction between the molecules. As bread goes stale, the water and the starch moves to other parts of the bread, such as the crust, so that the starch returns to a dense, hard state, like it was uncooked flour form, which gives stale bread its crunchy texture. Okay. But when you talk about something like chips, the water clinging to the starch evaporates uh, when you make it crunchy. And then as the water... Um, as the water in the air binds to the starch, it makes the chips pliable again. So what you're getting is water from the air is making it Interesting. softer. It's drinking the air water. Yeah. So when you leave a package of Oreos open, for example, you're getting moisture in the air, which is making them soft. Huh. So it's like the air. It's like dunking them in water. But the air's doing it. Oh, babe, you're blowing my mind right now. I wish there was milk <laughs> air. Do you know what I mean? Like milk air. Like there is, I recognize that there's like, you know, whatever, condensation, the rain cycles, all that shit. I remember that from elementary school. But I wish there was milk air where there was just kind of milk in the air. Do you know uh-huh. what I mean? No, I don't think I do. Are you? And I don't you... think I mean that because I'm somewhat <laughs> lactose intolerant. So if there was milk air. Are you wanting the flavor of milk or just the experience of milk? I'm, I'm confused about what milk air, what, what its practical purposes would be. Calcium for bone. Okay. Growth. Okay. I don't, I am not, I, I have no calcium source 
at this at this junction in my life. That is not uh, true. There's calcium in a lot of foods. Okay, but I I'm not getting it from milk, which true. is like a calcium potion. So I would just love. It's like fluoride in the water. Put fluoride in the water. Put milk in the air. <laughs> Griffin, twenty twenty. Uh, so here are some other foods that I found that people have said are better stale. Uh, graham crackers. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. I'll get, right? I'll get, I'll get okay. down with that. Okay, yes. so here we go. So Nilla Wafers, graham crackers, you're okay with. Uh, ginger snaps? Mm, no, because they don't snap anymore, do they? They're just kind of <laughs> ginger. <laughs> uh, Pop-tarts? Oh, no. No? No, because I'll bake them. I like a baked Pop-tart, and then it's going to just get, you know, whatever it is. You know what you I mean? You actually cook Pop-tarts? Sure. Wow. I mean, I toast them. I said bake. I don't throw them in the fucking <laughs> oven. Like your brother used to bake uh, Hot Pockets uh, in the yes. oven? <laughs> um, this one I thought was interesting. Peeps. Mm, I don't think so. Wouldn't they get hard? Wouldn't peeps? Don't yeah, peeps get Yeah, people like the hard outside with the marshmallow center. I don't really like peeps in any sort of way, shape, or form. Oh, Okay. There's a marshmallow covered in sugar. It's like a, here's I'm an adult. the here's the thing, and this this is what makes me think that you have a point. So I don't like when cereal is stale. No. So I think I think depending on proximity to milk, that makes a big difference for sure. me. Yeah. Like if I were to dunk an Oreo in milk, I think I wouldn't like it. And milk as a moistening agent needs something exactly. to moisten. Exactly. But if there was milk in the air, we wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> Uh, can I do my second thing? Yes. All right. I really do got big fall vibes. And when it's fall time, there's an album that I always return to. Probably, uh, I was thinking about it while preparing this. Maybe pound for pound, my most listened to album ever. Very true. Uh, uh, this album is Armchair Apocrypha by Andrew Bird. Uh, now, I thought for sure you had talked about Andrew Bird, but I think it was in the context of whistling. No, it was, I think it was actually in the context of live looping. It may have been whistling. I think I, t- I think I definitely talked about, I did a whistling segment, episode five or so, like so a you've long been kinda, time So you've been kind of, you've been dancing around. around Andrew Bird, but Andrew Bird is uh, probably my favorite, like, living musician, uh, and he made this album in 2007. Uh, after, I don't know if you were like into Andrew Bird around this time, but he had an album in 2005 called The Mysterious Production of Eggs that was like a big break, yeah. breakout album. Yeah, so because I, I remember I was listening to a lot of Andrew Bird when I was in Chicago, and that would have been 2005. Yeah, for some reason, like I think of him as being like very Chicago y, but maybe yeah. that's just because like that was also when I discovered him. Uh, so, Mysterious Production of Eggs was this big breakout album because he was doing the stuff that I talked about during the live looping segments. He is like the master of this, of just like playing a violin riff and then looping with a pedal and then playing something over it and whistling over that and singing over that like people heard that on mysterious production of eggs even though he'd been doing it for a while and were just like absolutely gaga about it and that style returns in armchair apocrypha uh although he uses a lot more sort of like electric guitars uh in this one i think to to great effect uh i I listened to this album just constantly when I lived in Chicago. And so I feel like when it starts to get folly outside, I always come back to it and listen to it because I think every track on it is a is an absolute bop. Uh, it's uh, the opening track of this album is called Fiery Crash. Uh, and it's literally about sort of superstitiously imagining disasters before you like encounter them. So the, 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 
title of the track is referring to somebody thinking about the plane crashing before they can even get on the plane. Uh, and that is a weird idea, but I'm going to play the song now because I think it rules. Fish towels and magazines Dogs on the CNN team on every monitor screen You were caught in the crossfire Wherever human faces Reaching for your knees Every song on this album, and I don't know how familiar you are with like the whole the whole album. What what's your is your like relationship to Andrew Bird like mostly the like you know shit that I'm you know make you listen to on road trips or whatever? Mostly, yeah. So my my experience with Andrew Bird was like a few songs here and there on my iPod Nano when I was in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, mostly listening to it in your car when we have driven places. Um. I listen to it all the time and I, I, I have struggled to sort of like think about what it is that I really like about Andrew Bird. Like the novelty of the live looping stuff, which is not just live looping. Like it, it as he experimented with that, like it informed what this album sounds like. Cause every song has these like really rich layers of, of melody uh, going on underneath them. Uh, it's not just that though. I think what, makes this album so great and what makes Andrew Bird so great is Fiery Crash is like a melancholy song, uh, but it is presented in a non-emotional, non-dramatic like way. And that happens in every song on this album. It tackles ideas of aging and uh, illness and uh, war, like these very, very serious subjects that could be very easily just sad bastard songs, which was my chosen genre of music like all throughout college. Uh, this bucks that trend because it is very sort of contemplative and very thoughtful and very an interesting way of looking at these subjects without being even remotely self-indulgent. Yeah, that's a really good way of describing it because I feel like that is what I've always liked about Andrew Bird is I feel like the music tends to be suitable for any occasion uh, because you're not getting as, as bogged down in the kind of the heaviness. Right. Even though the subject matter is heavy. Yeah. Dark matter is about like your soul, like your consciousness and it never names it. Like it never names that or, or, applies any unnecessary weight to the concept. It just dances around it, and it dances around it in very, very clever ways. Uh, there's a line, uh, do you wonder where the self resides? Is it in your head or between your sides? And who will be the one who will decide its true location? This idea of just like, where are, where is, what in your body is you? Like what is, is yeah. like a real sort of. It feels very, they might be giants for some absolutely. reason. Absolutely. They might yeah. be giants also, also do this. That's a great yeah. point. Uh, they're way more, I think, abstract in how yeah. they like ask those questions this is fairly like direct and to the point yeah. uh compared to that uh there's a song called scythian empires which is uh he talked about how he has a much easier time writing melody than he does lyrics so to challenge himself he wrote about like a subject that was a seventh grade like book report for him that he wanted <laughs> to write a song about but he then wrote a song about like america's uh, habit of uh, engaging in infinite, unending wars, uh, without yeah. a, again without necessarily like naming it or being like 
particularly, uh, I don't know, floral about it. Uh, it it's, it's, there's a distance to it. There's an emotionlessness, emotionlessness to it, but like not in a bad way. I don't. I can't think of too many other artists who do that because I think that there is a, a tendency, and I'm, this is not like a drag on people who write emotionally, right? Uh, because that's beautiful in its own way too. But I can't think of too many other sort of folks who write about things observationally like this, uh, and 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 thoughtfully like this without sort of falling into the trap of just like being being emotional about it uh there's a song uh on the album one of the last songs is called spare o's that i've never been able to like really interpret but uh it it is another sort of example of uh just a a lot of different life subjects written about very very cleverly i'm going to play some of it now Across the great chasms and schisms and the sudden aneurysms where the black ink will drip across the crespus of your eyes and your teeth are worth more than you can spare. Oh, don't tell me that it just isn't fair. Don't speak about the cycles of life because your thoughts are so soft. I can I think that I like owe Andrew Bird like a debt of gratitude for sort of breaking me out of the the sad bastard like rut that I was in because that is a, a, a again no uh, judgment necessarily to like people who are very into that style of music but it was like all I was listening to and it's very easy to uh, glorify just being kind of down in the dumps whenever you're yeah. into stuff like that and Andrew Bird like writes about the stuff that they were writing about but in a just a just a way that makes you think yeah, as opposed no, to like no, makes you feel sad. It's very clever. It's very like generative. Like I, that's part of why I always like Joanna Newsom. Yeah. Is that when I would listen to it, it would inspire me to be kind of be more creative instead of like in my feelings, you know? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with being in your feelings, but I feel like part of a healthy balanced diet is to like yeah. get outside of it from time to time and like, look at it from this third person perspective. And yeah. that is this album to a T. Also, like I kind of struggled with which album to bring. I feel like he had, Andrew Bird had like four albums in a row in the aughts that was banger after banger after banger, almost on an annual basis. Mysterious Production of Eggs is amazing. Came out in 2005. Uh, Armchair Apocrypha was in 2007. There's an album that followed that called Noble Beast that, it was, I think, 2008. That was also, like, remarkable. And all during this time, he was touring with these albums and, like, uh, playing on Letterman and, and going on TV. Uh, because, again, like, the live looping thing is something that really yeah. should be seen. You know to be I believed. saw him at Lollapalooza in Chicago, which was a weird venue yeah. to see him. Um but yeah, I just remember being like, well, this is different than what anybody else is doing. <laughs> and hearing and, and I feel like seeing those live shows and then hearing the albums like you you figure out the symbiotic relationship between yeah. the two in, in a way that like just got me absolutely obsessed. And I still am obsessed. Uh, he has a lot of sort of uh, instrumental albums now that I whenever I'm working, I just flip one of those on and, and go for it. But it's very folly to me. Yeah, I think I get acoustic. I get acoustic in the fall. <laughs> and uh, there's a there's a lot of that in his in his work. Uh, do you know want to know what our uh, do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. James says, being from Hawaii, hurricane style popcorn is the king of movie snacks. Have you heard of this? 
No. I have not either. It's just normal buttered popcorn, but with furikake, uh, toasted sesame seeds, and some small bits of Japanese rice crackers. It wonderfully puts every other preparation of popcorn to shame. That sounds good as hell. That sounds so good. That sounds good as hell, though. Like, that I want to eat that yeah, for lunch we today. We should do that. We should try We have all the stuff. Out. I think we, I don't know if we have sesame seeds. We definitely have the other stuff. Do we have the crackers? No, we don't have that. <laughs> okay. But we could mix it. Listen, we get we do have like weird Quaker Oats rice crackers. We could figure something out. Okay. Probably wouldn't be very good, but. <laughs> uh, and Jess says, uh, Joe Para Talks With You is a wonderful show. It's like Mr. Rogers for millennials. And each 10 minute episode is like a kiss on the forehead at the end of the day. This show is so good. If you've never seen it. I haven't. It's just a very sweet show about a very sweet man who gets very enthusiastic about very specific things in each episode and tells you about them. Uh, there's an episode that I feel like is essential where he discovers the song uh, Under Pressure, I think. Is that it? No, it's uh, uh, Baba O'Reilly. He discovers the song Baba O'Reilly and like hears it on the radio for the first time and calls into the radio station like, can you play that again? <laughs> uh, and like gives a, speaks at a church or uh, about Baba O'Reilly and what a good like a song it is. Oh, it's it's a very, very pure show. Uh, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Uh, thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. They uh, had a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, and thank you to everybody who has been recommending our show on on Twitter and Facebook. It always warms my heart to say uh, to see people talking about this show as a, as a way to kind of calm their anxiety in a very challenging time. Man, it's a it is a very challenging time. Uh, I know that's kind of how Griffin and I use it when we make it. So it's always <laughs> nice to hear that other people are finding value in that too. Yeah, I I don't I mean I don't know this may help. I don't know if this helps sort of folks relate or whatever, but like, I would describe my mental state as pretty fragile and bad yes. right now. Yes. Uh, and I know that everybody else, uh, most most folks are there too. Uh, so, you know, at the at, at maybe little consolation, but you are not alone in feeling that way. Yes. And do what you can to uh, help help out uh, other people who need it. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's end it. Let's end the show. Let's end the episode right okay. now. Um, and that's it. Uh, see you next week see you next week and do your homework we, we never give out homework on this show what's the homework uh, math algebra <laughs> do some algebra before we talk next and we will know if you don't do it yeah 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 because the chip that we asked Tim Cook to put in your phone the algebra chip the algebra chip MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.